2: there's something I inherited from my dad I'll be walking through the house and there's plenty of room no furniture around but for some crazy reason my toe will find its way to the most painful piece of furniture in the house and I will stump my toe morning church. Welcome to worship. What an incredible time of worship we've already had just singing the truths of scripture. As we gather today, we gather with a very clear purpose of who we are. We are Mission Hill. If you know this, say that with me. That means that we want to do whatever it takes wherever we are, to shine with the light and the love of Jesus like a city on a hill. So we come together. Yeah, praise God for that. We come together in a season like this to be uh, supercharged and empowered by His presence Uh, So that we might do that effectively in our little corner of the world. And as we gather here on our central campus, we have two other campuses that are worshiping. Our our six-mile campus where they're celebrating believers' baptism. Our our Lake Carroll campus is worshiping today. And thanks to this uptick in COVID, there's a lot more people probably than usual joining us online. Would you welcome those who are not in the room today? It, It has been... A wild week. It was a week ago today uh, that I stood with the McNeil family and then later in the afternoon as Pastor Gary and Miss Lynn and, and their sweet daughter-in-law Mandy stood uh, over Matthew McNeil as he entered into the arms of Jesus. And uh, I do want to ask you to continue to pray for this family. Uh, we love them so much. God has been faithful. They have sensed his comfort and his peace uh, the Bible says this, though, that blessed are those who mourn because they they have the comfort of God. And and so we want to pray that the God of all comfort comforts them. And it tells us that we should mourn with those who mourn. So if you're interested in this, the, the celebration of life services for Matthew McNeil will be t- Tuesday at, at 11 a.m. at Bridgeway Church in, in Wesley Chapel with a visitation time at 10 a.m before that many have asked how you might uh, come alongside and encourage or support them and there are some practical ways um, one way that they've mentioned because of all the illness and food allergies really better than bringing a meal would be like Publix gift cards so that's something if, if you're interested in being a part of that it would be a ministry to this family and if you want us to help you get that to them you can just drop those off at the church office at any time now in addition to to what the McNeil family is walking through. We got word yesterday that the Johnson family, Pastor Connor and and Samantha, they welcomed their second child, Henry, into this world. And so we celebrate the gift of life and we're reminded of the truth of Scripture that you need to understand because we teach the whole counsel of God's Word here. Our God is the Lord who gives and the one who takes away. But through it all, we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So uh, we're thankful that God is at work even as we walk through the the trying journeys of life. Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin a message series today we're calling Unwrapped. An unwrapped gift can be a source of tremendous anticipation, but it can also be a source of great frustration. As a child, I would look under the tree at Christmas at all the gifts, and and my mom did such a good job, just as my wife does now, and the tree was just filled with wrapped presents, and I would in a very selfless way think, how many of those are mine? You know, a wrapped gift can bring anticipation, but as it sits there, it can lead to frustration. Our, our Christmas tree is still up. We, we tried to celebrate this season well, so we'll take it down probably about, uh, I don't know, St. Patrick's Day or, or something like that, but there are no gifts up under the tree. They were all distributed. That's not always the case. In fact, last year, I, I had COVID, and my worst day was Christmas Day, and, and so uh, they were reminding me this Christmas that I came out uh, <laughs> came out of my shell, I opened one present, and then I just went back to bed. And so last year after Christmas, there were a lot of presents still under the tree. Um, sometimes we have family that comes in from out of town, and so their presents will remain. And when you're a child, you walk by those remaining presents, and it's kind of frustrating because you're thinking, well, whose is that? I mean, who, is that mime? Mean, why, why aren't those presents being opened? Can, can you imagine? There was a, a big day on Oprah uh, several years ago, and everybody in the audience got a wrapped present. I don't know if you remember that. Watch this.
1: Everybody in the audience, now listen to me carefully is being given a special package, and I don't want you to open it. Do not open it. Cameras are on you, so do not open until I tell you. All
2: right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. You get a call! 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 I so wish I could tell you to look under your seats and open that package and everybody here, you get a car and you get a car and you get... I'm not saying that today. Sorry. But I've got better news. Every one of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you get a gift. You get a spiritual gift. And that gift allows you to go through life in a way that brings greater fulfillment. It allows you to go through your life edifying the church of Jesus. It allows you to go through life pointing to Jesus and giving him glory. It is a huge deal. Now imagine, imagine you were in that audience on that crazy day on Oprah and everybody was opening that little box and it hits you, man, they got a car, but you just decided to sit there and not open your box. How silly would that be? Well, the the truth is, I've just told you that every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we've been gifted. You've been giving gifts that make your life better. But some of you are leaving them unwrapped. or, Or some of you are leaving them wrapped. You're not unwrapping the gifts that God has given to you. God's given you a spiritual gift. And the Bible teaches that those gifts that you have are the key to fulfillment as part of the body of Christ, the church. So I have to ask you, is your gift unwrapped? First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is addressing a church in turmoil. Now, often you'll hear preachers like me say, we need to go back to the days of the early church. But the truth is, when you read the Bible, the early church was pretty screwed up. I mean, the church at Corinth, Paul was addressing division in the church. Let's just see if you're tracking with me. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a church where there was division. Okay, it really probably should be all of us if you've been in church because we are so sinful and we're imperfect and we all let each other down. So that's, that's kind of a part of it. So that, that part's relevant. He was addressing a church where there was Immorality. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but the reality is we see that in the church today. We've seen that publicly among leaders, but we've been in Bible study groups, or we've sat on the same row with families that are torn apart because of immorality. So it's interesting, in First Corinthians, Paul gives us some of the best theological teaching on marriage and on, on sex, sexual ethics and so he's addressing that. But then he's also addressing problems in attitude. And, and all of us know people, and we've run into, hopefully not this morning, but we've run into people in the church where they just have rotten attitudes. And, and part of those rotten attitudes often affect the way they serve in the church. And, and so that's what Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians 12. And I tell you that because I want you to know that this is relevant This speaks to our life. So here's what we need to do. We we often do this in our church, but would you just hold your hands out like this, maybe with your palms up, and let's just ask God to speak and to teach. Ask the Holy Spirit to move, free us from distractions so that we might walk away different. Let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, We have gathered and and we have sung praise to your name, Jesus. We have bowed in prayer and we have declared that we need you, Jesus. And so here we are once more preparing to read from your perfect word. And our simple prayer is, would you speak to us? God, there are things that we need that That we don't yet have. Would you give them to us? There's knowledge we desire. That we've not yet learned. Would you teach us Lord? God as we look in the mirror. As we look in the mirror. We recognize that we've not yet become. All that we need to be. To be conformed into the image of you Jesus. So change us. Shape us. Mold us. Make us more like you. And Lord, as I have prayed privately, I recognize they do not need a speech in this room. Those that are listening to this message do not need a sermon, but we desperately need to hear from you. So Lord, let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you. For you are my strength. You are my redeemer. And I ask this in your name. Amen. So grab a pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola, your two thumbs, whatever you're keeping notes with. Grab something to write on. I think this will be a very practical message from the Word of God, and I think He will answer our prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Now, concerning your spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The New King James Version and the New International Version's Both say, I do not want you to be ignorant. (laughs) I kind of like that better because it kind of hits me in the face a little better. I I don't want to be ignorant. Or the New Living Translation that I read devotionally every day says, I want you to understand. Well, what is it that we need to understand? What do we need to avoid ignorance about? Well, he's, he's talking about something that we call spiritual gifts. But in this passage, it's literally a word that... Could be translated the spirituals. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. I, I want you to learn about the spirituals. So I ask you if if your gifts are unwrapped, and now let me just we're digging deeper. Let me ask you if you're ignorant about the spirituals. It's it's a word that's used here in the Greek, it's pneumaticon, and it 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 literally is those spiritual things of life. I've been around church people all my life, and you know what I've seen? We're not ignorant about the intellectuals. I mean, most of us have a lot of knowledge, and we're glad to tell you what we think. We're glad to tell you what we think about theology. We're glad to tell you what we think about how we should do church. We call that ecclesiology. So we're opinionated, and we're educated, and usually both of those are beyond our obedience. We're not ignorant on the intellectuals. And in recent church history, I've noticed we're not, we're not ignorant on the experientials. I mean, we'll spend the money to get the fog just right, to get the lights pointing in the right direction, to get the, the music the right vibe. Well, we're still working on that. Get the temp, well, we'll never get a temperature right. But we're, we're good with the experientials, right? Because we want you to feel good when you come in. But here he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spirituals. Are you ignorant about the spirituals? A lot of ignorance about this. Paul, then he goes on to say, by the way, you're not ignorant about what it was like before you were spiritual. We know that because he's going to talk about their pagan life, and that's very specific in the wording he uses. He doesn't talk about them being a Greek or being a Jew, he talks about them being a pagan because that's something that everybody has in common. In fact, let's take another quick test. Raise your hand if you were a pagan. Everybody should be raising your hand because if you're not raising your hand, you're implying you are still a pagan because everybody, yeah, everybody, the Bible says, was separated from God. So that means you are pagan. Uh, and and that sin that separates you from God is why we need what we call in church the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible teaches. We were separated from God because of that sin. So we're kind of going on our way. We're the boss. We're number 1 in our life. We're the lord. But something happens. The Spirit of God awakens us, and we recognize that's not a good path we're taking, that that's going to lead us to destruction. We learn that Jesus died for our sinfulness. He was buried, but he rose again, so he's alive today. And the Spirit leads us to make a decision. We call it repentance, where we turn from our way, and we begin to go God's way. We're no longer pagan. Now we're Spiritual, but we all were pagan. And notice what he says about when we were pagan. He says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. Mute idols. Now, I like the translation here that says dumb idols. It means the same thing, but when you have the word dumb idols, it's kind of a double entendre. Because he's talking about those idols that can't talk, they're mute. But guess what? Any idols are dumb. So I just need to ask you another question. Are you being led astray, astray from the spiritual things of life because there are dumb idols in your life? Now, what are, what's an idol? An idol is anything, even a good thing. It keeps you from the best thing. So you can be led astray from a dumb idol like your career. Put your seatbelt on because this is going to offend, but you can be led astray by a dumb idol like your family. You can be led astray by a dumb idol like your income or your accomplishments or the approval of people or pleasure in your life. Things of this world. He goes on to say in verse 3, therefore, I want you to understand that no one, speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, he's, he's signifying the difference between your pagan life and your spiritual life. I've had five kids. Let me just tell you something. Nobody had to teach them how to be pagan. No one had to teach my children or me. How to be selfish, how to make sinful choices. In the pagan way, we do that on our own, but something happens when we have that transformation. When we declare that Jesus is Lord, our life is changed. We're no longer following and being led by dumb things of this world, we're following Jesus Himself. And as a result of that, we kind of live in two worlds. The great early church father, Augustine, he, he called this the city of God and the city of man. And so if you're a follower of Christ, the reality is you are a citizen of two different cities. We're in this world, though we're not of this world, and we know we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens of two cities, but our allegiance and our loyalty can only be in one. That's why Jesus would say, you can't serve God and man. Right? You tracking with me? So Paul is saying to the church, so it would be just like this Paul saying to the body that's gathered here today, hey, some of you are living your life, you're ignorant when it comes to the spiritual things. He's not questioning their salvation, He's questioning whether or not they've been sanctified in their faith and they're serving God effectively in the church. And there's some of you, you've understood the gospel. You've began a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're truly saved. But in your mind, you checked that box and you stopped You felt like I got a ticket out of hell, I got my ticket to heaven, and that's all I needed. And so you wonder why your faith doesn't seem to be having any impact in your daily life. But it's because you did not engage that Holy Spirit to continue to sanctify you and then allow you to begin to serve in the body of Christ. You're living with divided loyalty. It's in that context that we come to verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, and now when we have the word gift translated, it is a different word. It's the word charismata, which is, comes from that Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, a beautiful word, which simply means grace. So, he says, there are varieties of grace, gifts. But then notice what it says, but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord and the varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers all of them. Did you catch that? We're all different. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, "You know, you're kind of different. Do that right now. Would you do that? Yeah, we are. We're all different. Some of you are way different. <laughs> We're different but we've got something in common as followers of Christ. We have these deposits that have been placed in us, and get this, by the Father, by the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that in those two verses? By the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. By the same Lord, that's Jesus Christ. By the same God, that's our Heavenly Father. So Paul is trying to teach us that the the pathway to unity in the midst of diversity is modeled by what we see when we see our triune God. If God can demonstrate unity one in three persons, then we as a church, we as a broader body, though we come from different families of origin, we we may come from different nations, different economic statuses, maybe even different ethnicities, we can have unity in the body of Christ. And this passage is going to tell us how. Isn't that exciting? man, as a pastor, that's really exciting because I'm thinking, man, if I can get you guys to understand that, my life will be a lot better because I, I deal with division. Can I just let you in on some of the division that I deal with? You know, sometimes people say, yeah, we're going to go somewhere else because it's not deep enough there. And then the same week, somebody might say, we're going to visit another church because it's too deep there. Or somebody might say, hey, we know you walked through that season of the election and, and you were too political. And then the same week, somebody else might say, I know we're going through an election, but you're not political enough. You need to stand up. And, and then COVID hit and people said, I, I can't come because nobody's wearing a mask. And in the same week, somebody might say, I'm not coming there because everybody looks dumb. They're wearing masks. We need to figure out how we can be unified, even though we're different. Because the differences aren't going away. But we can be unified. Look at how it continues. To each, say each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given to the Spirit an utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills.